Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. The Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Steroids Podcast. So a couple episodes ago, I announced that I was opening up the Steroids Podcast coaching services so i announced that i was opening up the text message based coaching and then the uh one hour phone consult uh coaching and both of those have been going extremely well since i announced that on the podcast um actually in the month or so since i announced that those were going to be happening had a bunch of guys come on to the text messaging based coaching program which is on whatsapp and so with that one on whatsapp you know we text message each other back and forth every day and you know the best part about about life okay the best part about life is relationships and so i have appreciated having the opportunity to get to know these guys you know everybody that has come on to the that has come on to the program we're all friends now and, you know, we weren't before, so that's a bunch of new uh, relationships uh, in each other's lives now that we were doing that. And uh, it's been great. You know, every every day I check up on those guys, see what they're doing, talk about their workouts, talk about their um, performance enhancing drug protocols. You know, we can troubleshoot side effects. You know, a few of the guys that have come on to the program, they came they came on they came on to the text messaging based coaching service with me which is month to month and they you know were in a bad situation either they had had some coach that you know was telling them bad information and they were having massive side effects and then they switched over or they you know were using things um, that you know they were getting side effects from and then they started up the program hey there's even been some natural guys who signed up there's been some natural guys who signed up and that's been great too. Um, and then other guys have been guys, you know, who are inexperienced and, you know, want some guidance and need someone to be there for them when they're, you know, going through starting that journey, starting using these things. And it's been great helping them and other guys more advanced just need someone in their corner to help them. Um, you know, when they have something going on, but I've really enjoyed, um, being able to talk to those guys each day and, become friends and help them out because uh i mean you guys can tell from listening to the podcast i mean that's really the whole the whole reason behind all this is i know exactly how everyone feels 
when it comes to you know not being able to find the correct information about these things these substances that are widely used in sports fitness bodybuilding etc widely used substance uh, it's like why is it impossible to just get some real information about this stuff so you know i went through that whole journey and you know have you know the information and the experience now and so yeah absolutely i love being able to help people out and share that with them and help them meet their goals um you know so some of the things that that some of these these guys have had problems with i mean one guy had uh he had a lot of water retention because his previous coach had only had experience with um generic growth hormone which we all know generic growth hormone is dog shit okay and so his god god this this was a this was the one that really stuck out to me okay so this this is uh this was irritating that he got this bad information so he had pharmaceutical grade human growth hormone okay zomactin brand human growth hormone made and manufactured in america and sold from hospitals in america okay so that's the brand of growth hormone that he had and you know his previous coach had never used pharmaceutical grade growth hormone before and so all he knew about to give recommendations for dosages was what he had had experience with which we all know non-human pharmaceutical grade growth hormone is dog shit okay dog shit growth hormone is made by altering the dna of e coli bacteria by splicing in viruses into the e coli bacteria's dna and having the viruses modify the e coli bacteria's dna so that instead of replicating E. coli bacteria DNA, it instead replicates for its you know reproduction process, replicates human growth hormone, okay? So this is why human growth hormone, it's not like roids where, you know, just anybody can make it. It's like, no, 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 no one can make it, okay? No one can make it except for highly trained scientists in highly professional laboratories. That's why... You should not use generic growth hormone. If anybody is trying to sell generic growth hormone, it's a red flag. You know, as far as growth hormone goes, the only thing that is reliable at all, at all, is name brand growth hormone, okay? So this guy's coach had never used, uh, you know, pharmaceutical-grade growth hormone anymore. And so for this guy who hadn't used growth hormone, he told him his starting dosage should be 10 IUs per day, 5 IUs in the morning, 5 IUs at night, Okay. And so this guy got insane, insane side effects, okay? He showed me a picture of his leg, and it looked like he was, he was pregnant, okay? Because of the, the mark from his sock in his, in his skin, okay? Because one of the major effects of human pharmaceutical-grade growth hormone is an increase in water retention, okay? And if you don't build up to a dosage, you can... That, so that when you first start the growth hormone, your body has a water response, okay? But then it adjusts. And, uh, you know, you lose some of that water after about a week and go back to about normal. And so what you do when you start out taking human growth hormone is you start out at like two IUs per day or three IUs per day. Then you move up to like four. And, you know, you wait about two more weeks and you can move up to six. Wait a couple of weeks. Move, you can move up to eight. You know, you don't just jump in at 10. OK, or else you'll have insane, 
water retention side effects. Okay, so that's what this guy was having. He's having massive blood pressure, massive pressure headaches. You know, his legs had, you know, half inch indentations in them from, um, you know, wearing socks. Um, you know, it was it was a total uh, he was in a nightmare situation. He was getting gyno. Um, so we had to take him off, you know, most of the supplements he was using and then, you know, reintroduce things slowly. And why did this start? It started because some moron who had no experience with real growth hormone told him how to use his growth hormone because yeah, you're not going to get a lot of results from generic growth hormone unless you're using like 10 I use per day. Why is that? No one knows because no one knows what generic growth hormone is. It could be peptides. It could be something else. No one knows. Okay. So that was one good experience with, um, with, you know, the coaching that, that guy was doing the, um, the 30 days, the monthly coaching with the text message based coaching, because we were able to get him out of that nightmare situation. Like when we, when he first, you know, uh, contacted me you know he was in an urgent situation you know massively stressing undergoing you know more and more side effects you know with every few hours that went by and we were able to you know spend a spend some time and you know get everything figured out and you know now everything's fine now he's fine and that's the way it should have been it's the way it should have been all along if he would have just got the correct information you know so that's it's good seeing him go from this bad situation he was in to now he's in a good situation. And that's the kind of things that I'm talking about is that, you know, for, for guys that, you know, have already be, been using gear or for if you haven't used gear yet, you know, you can do all of the reading that you want to do on gear. But until you've actually used it, like, honestly, like, don't know anything. Like, and that's, that's something that everyone who has experienced using gear will say. They, I mean, I, I will say it myself about myself and then other people too. like that knowledge that you have from studying and reading. It helps and it provides like a really good base or backbone for the knowledge that you can really start to acquire through use and then comparing your use to other users. Um, but just studying it, it will. There's no amount really of studying that can prepare you for having to troubleshoot the issues and side effects that will come along when you use these things because it, it's, you know, your hormonal systems are very sensitive systems and it takes someone with real experience and a real expert to be able to, you know, navigate those tiny, you know, little changes that are going on and make everything smooth. So I mean, that's why I wrote Ultimate Guide to Roids. My book was to help you guys start out, you know, with that backbone of information that is the, you know, the correct information and not trying to jerk you around, just, you know, talking to you as if you were my buddy. You know, Ultimate Guide to Roids is, an, is a joy to read. It's not boring at all. It's, it's not like a science book. It contains science. But when you open that thing up and start reading it, it's like most people can't stop until they get to the last page. You know, Jay Masters from the Delray Misfits, who just, uh, he just benched uh, about a 540-pound five, uh, bench press with a pause in competition. And um, he was reading Ultimate Guide to Roids the other day. And that's what happened to him is he, uh, he just wanted to check it out, see what it was all about. But once he opened that book, 
he said that he couldn't stop reading until the entire 109 pages was over. So, uh, I mean, like I said, you guys, that book is my pride and joy. And, uh, you know, I put my all into that book. Like, I literally put my all into that book. So, it's uh, it's awesome. Everyone should read it. Really, everyone should read that book. Um, yeah, and so then with the with the phone with the one hour phone consults too, those have been go- going good. Uh, had a lot of good experiences talking with you guys off of that. So yeah, anyways, since I introduced the the coaching and the phone calls, um, you know, about a month ago or so, that's been going great, and I have really enjoyed and got satisfaction being able to help you guys out, help you guys out who have been listening to the podcast following me on youtube for years etc being able to have that personal communication with you guys i enjoy it that's what i want to do that's my goal help you (laughs) you know and honestly you know it it seems ridiculous that that is that that is like a surprising to hear or surprising to hear me say because that's what you think everybody should be doing right it's it just it's it's a testament to how messed up this industry is and how messed up, uh, you know, why it is so hard to get the correct information because why is it so damn hard to just find some real information and find somebody or find some people that aren't trying to like rip you off, give you partial information, partial truths, and just freaking help you just freaking help you. Okay. Why is that so hard? So basically, I mean, that's like my whole like my whole idea with like bodybuilder in thailand.com steroidspodcast.com and you know all the work that i do is that i saw this hole because i used to be in your situation and i said hey there is this you know after i you know got through it all and you know acquired the correct information about pro sports bodybuilding uh fitness industry and all this stuff you know then i looked at this and i said hey this is messed up You know, there is this massive hole of information here and there are millions of people who want this information bad and there's nowhere to get it. There's no reliable place to get it. And that is messed up. And so I saw this like massive hole like in the in the market or this hole of information. You know, the the information is lacking, not there. There's no place to get it. There's like no one you can trust. And uh, that's publicly available. And I saw that and I said, hey, I'm going to plug that hole. And, you know, you kind of like ask sometimes because, you know, I really put myself out there with this stuff, you know, like saying, you know, saying like I use this stuff and like showing my face, my name uh, and, you know, you know, publicly doing that. And, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, see that and think like, whoa, that's pretty big because, yeah, um, you know, that definitely brand myself or you know being open about those things it's socially unacceptable so you know by by making this kind of content for you guys and everything uh you know i am aware that uh you know for to the average person in the average society or if i was living a traditional lifestyle where i was like trying to get a job with a corporate company or something you know the information that i'm putting out is taboo and would you know really hurt my ability to like 
get hired by a job or something like that because they don't want to be associated with someone who puts out this kind of information that the powers that be don't want you to know. Okay? Male hormones, very powerful substances. The powers that be do not want you using them. They want to maintain the status quo. They want to maintain their power. They don't want you to know what these things can do. Okay? So, I saw all that and I said, hey, this is over. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change this lack of information out there. You know, this is messed up. There's millions of people, you know, using these and millions of people wanting to use these. And there's no real reliable information. I'm going to change that because I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like deception. And you know what? I feel like you should just be able to find somebody like some honest guy, like your buddy, who is just going to tell it like it is and and not not be like, what the hell is all this stuff with half truths and having to like run circles in order to get any freaking true information. That is stupid. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be that guy. And And that was like one of the things too, because, you know, Obviously, like my family, you know, you know, it doesn't like doesn't like it that I, you know, put myself out there so much with this because, like I said, it's culturally unacceptable. And, um, you know, they, they say something to me before, like, why does it have to be you? You know, why does it have to be you that that is the one, you know, who will put themselves out there and and, you know, like try and like change that culture and something. That's what everybody says, you know, that's what, that's what, that's what everybody says. If you really feel passionate about something and I feel passionate about this, getting the correct information out there, then you got to do what you got to do. And so that's what I said, you know, I calculated the, uh, the positives and negatives of doing this. And I said, Hey, this is important to me. This is important to me to change this culture and to make this information about PEDs widely available the true information and you know what the person that's going to do it is going to be me so that's why i'm doing this wanted to say something real quick if you guys have heard a little bit of funny noises in the background during the last couple podcasts that is because i am now filming the podcast in thailand and uh had a bit of a difficulty finding a spot that is private enough to film the podcast or record the podcast. Um, So if you're hearing a little bit of funny language in the background or funny sounding noises in the background, that is people speaking the Thai language. And uh, now you know what Thai sounds like. And it's a fun language. If you ever come to Thailand, try to learn a little bit of it. This is going to be the last episode where you're hearing any of that going forward. It will be uh, back to normal. Okay, so if you guys want to do the coaching or you want to do a one-hour consult, a one-hour phone call consult with me, you can hit me up over email at steroidspodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email at steroidspodcast at gmail.com, and we'll set it up, all right? So let's get on to the questions got some great questions and the first one is from johnson who asks when trying to suss gear in the gym 
Do you think approaching blatant meathead roid heads is a good idea on trying to find some testosterone? Ha ha ha. I only know one guy, but he's too protective of me to let me join the dark side with him. Well, you know, the truth is, is that, you know, if somebody, you know, is obviously on gear and they go to the gym, then yeah, obviously they know how to get gear. But, um, you know, and sometimes they're also selling gear. Uh, but, you know, obviously, if that's the case, you're most likely going to have to build some trust with them first. Um, you know, and they also might not be selling gear. Uh, you know, that that's quite an assumption to think that. But obviously, they know where to get it. Okay. Or, so maybe they could point you in the right direction. Uh, but I do not think that it is a good idea to walk up to one of them and blatantly ask them, you know, where can I get testosterone when you don't know them? I, that, you know what, that is disrespectful for one thing. And uh, it's, it's not a good idea. Okay, the way to do that is like anything else in life. You just become friends with them, okay? Just be cool. Don't, don't be weird. Like walking up to someone you don't know and asking some kind of strange personal question like that. Like, hey, where can I get test? That's weird. So if you want to, you know, ask a guy at the gym or, you know, you're trying to get some testosterone at the gym and, you know, you see some guy who obviously has access to it, you know, the first step is to be friendly with the dude. It's to be friendly with the dude. You don't need to talk about gear. Just, you know, be friendly with him. You know, say what's up. You know, work out hard so that he can see that you're not some kind of jackass. You know, so you can see that you're working out hard, you're training intense. And when you guys are talking, if he is, you know, not a jackass too, you know, if he's open about his use... Uh, you know, at least to a reasonable level where he's like, yeah, of course I use that, you know, and it doesn't mean that you're a jackass if you are not open about the use. That's not what I mean at all, because that, like we said, there are many reasons to not be open about it. One thing would be your job. And if it's not compatible with that, to be open about it. And another thing would be legality issues. And if it's not compatible enough with, with that, if it's not compatible with that, to be open about it. So if somebody has one of those reasons for not being open it, open about it, that's up to their discretion. And they have no obligation to tell you whether or not, you know, or admit whether or not they're using that to you, okay? But, you know, if the guy is, you know, not worried about those things and he's open with you, then if you're working out hard and you're working your ass off and you guys are friends, you guys are buds, acquaintances, whatever, you talk a bit at the gym, etc. you know, it'll come up. It'll come up, okay? After a little while, after a couple weeks, after a few weeks, you're talking. Or you could say something like, hey, man, like, you know, after you guys have been talking about workouts, you know, diet a bit, and he's seen you, like, training your ass off, you know, say something like, hey, you know, I'm training my ass off, like, trying to get big. I am doing everything that I can do but, you know, I think I need something more like, you know, if I was able to have testosterone or have hormones to help me in the gym and help me with my goals, you know, I, you know, I'm doing everything else that I can do. And I think you can see that. And so, 
you know, would you know how to point me like in the right direction? Would you know somewhere where I might be able to find something like that? And you know what? He might say yeah and he might say no. And that's up to him. But, you know, obviously he does know, you know, where to point you in the right direction. So that's just the way it is. And, um, you know, that's what I, that's what I'm saying is that if, if you're training your ass off, he's going to have some respect for you. Okay. So that's the number one thing, letting you know, letting him know that you respect him and letting him see by your, your training and your dedication that, you know, him having some respect for you too. And then if you say something like, you know, I need some help. I'm training my ass off and I, you know, I know that I need a bit something more. Um, you know, could you point me or would you know where to point me in the direction of finding something like that? You know, that's not an insulting way to question it at all. That's not a, that's not an insulting question at all. So he's either going to have the option of saying, yeah, or, and, and blah, blah, blah. Or he's going to have the option of saying, nah, sorry, man, I don't know. And, you know, at that point, it's not going to, you know, be disrespectful to him to say something like that. Or it's not going to make him, you know, angry or cause some kind of weird, awkward scene in the gym. Okay, so you don't need to worry about it. That's the way to do it. If you want to be, if you are looking for this stuff and you're looking for it in the gym, then you got to get in with the guys at the gym who are using it. Train hard. Let them develop some respect in you because they can see that you're a hard worker. And then, you know, they'll, when you say you need, you're looking for some extra help, you know, they can choose whether or not to help you. But I do not recommend just walking up to some random big guy at the gym and being like, hey, give me your source. That's going to blow up in your face. All right, the next question is from MPC who asks, What is your take on a mixed TRT? 100 milligrams testosterone cypionate, 50 milligrams decadurablin and per, per week, and 25 milligrams provirin per day. I'm hearing this being presented as more beneficial than traditional TRT. Yeah, some anti-aging clinics and hormone replacement therapy clinics, or uh, they they do prescribe testosterone and DECA, sometimes Anavar, sometimes I mean they they can prescribe whatever hormone they want. You know that's that's the doctor's prerogative with his patients, as long as the uh, hormone is FDA approved in the country that the doctor's prescribing it in. And so sometimes these clinics will um, prescribe testosterone along with DECA, and they can also provide uh, Proviron too. Um, you know, if you like the effects of those drugs and you want them in there, you can put them in there as long as, you know, it's because you're talking about long-term TRT. So I'm guessing that you're talking, you know, you're talking about using some gear and doing it long-term in a TRT style and you want to have, you know, perfect health markers because when you go to a doctor and get testosterone replacement therapy, TRT, you know, they're going to be monitoring you with your testosterone dosage and everything like that. That is making you be able to do it in a healthy way. And, you know, testosterone, just testosterone is very well tolerated by the body in dosages from, you know, 100 milligrams per week up to around 1000 milligrams per week. Most people can do only testosterone or can do a testosterone only cycle is a better way to phrase that 
and you know have acceptable blood work in the normal range using those kinds of dosages because testosterone is a bioidentical hormone it's not a hormone that's toxic to the body at all and so the body knows what to do with it and it's very well tolerated so once you start adding in um, you know artificial hormones that are you know not natural to the body and the body has to figure out what to do with it you know it's not natural then you start adding in components that you know can screw up your blood work a little bit more and have some health risks so DECA and Proviron, Nandrolone is the generic name or the chemical name for DECA Durablin, which is brand name. Um, it's another hormone. Um, you know, so DECA Durablin, Nandrolone, and Proviron are also very well tolerated uh, hormones, but they are not the natural hormone. And, you know, they can, they can have some uh, effects on your blood work, but, you know, at low dosages like you were talking about, yeah, a TRT doctor, you know, most likely... He could get you on some of those hormones and, you know, get it so that your blood work was in, you know, the normal ranges. There was no bad look in your blood work or bad, bad look in your health markers on those hormones. Now, would you want to do that? Well, it depends on what your goals are. You know, most guys that have, you know, any bit of DECA in their, you know, their sex drives are not going to be as good as without DECA just because of what DECA does to your progesterone and prolactin levels um proviron yeah it increases your sex drive a lot and also um it also it reduces your sex hormone binding globulin levels which is a chemical that is naturally floating around in your blood that binds up most of the testosterone in your blood and makes it unable to have its effect so then when you take the proviron it then binds to the sex hormone binding globulin instead and makes it so that more of the hormones that you have in your blood are able to not be inactivated by that globulin and then they're able to exert their effects in the body. So for most people, yes, using Proviron alongside their TRT, their testosterone replacement therapy dosage of testosterone, will make them you know, have a much higher sex drive and will make the testosterone that they're using work a lot better. Um, Adding DECA, not so much. Uh, but, you know, yeah, having more hormones in, uh, more muscle-building hormones such as DECA, yeah, it will, you know, help you have more anabolic effect. Um, and a lot of people, you know, that are a little bit older or may have aching joints may find some joint relief effects uh, from DECA because it has joint healing and lubrication properties to it. So those would be reasons why someone would do that. And those are also the reasons why, you know, someone may not use other things in addition to testosterone. So, you know, you can have a great sex drive and, um, you know, have great effects with, you know, just normal TRT testosterone. Because once the, the testosterone gets in your body, then, you know, the 5-alpha reductase enzyme, which is a natural enzyme of your body, converts some of that testosterone into dihydrotestosterone, which is the... You know, proviron is basically an orally available form of dihydrotestosterone. And dihydrotestosterone is mostly a brain chemical that stimulates your brain and makes, uh, you know, male hormonal effects in the brain. It also is what works on, uh, like, your penis uh, to make it have, you know, function correctly. And, you know, your body hair, uh, your skin, um, all these things like this, all the male effects in the body outside of muscle are what dihydrotestosterone uh, causes those okay and proviron is a, like an orally 
available form of that. So you can just take a tablet and get those effects. Um, and then it also makes the testosterone that you have in your body, more of it be released from the sex hormone binding globulin and available to be used in your body. So Proviron is a great thing. Um, personally, you know, the way that I do TRT, I've, I've said this many times is that, you know, I do a cycle, I do a cycle of, uh, you know, like testosterone, primobolin, anadrol, winstrol, whatever, you know? So I do a cycle of a uh, gear for growing muscle or whatever. And then when I'm ready to be done with that, I come off and I just take nothing for about three, four, five, sometimes even six weeks. Just take nothing. And I let myself, I let all the hormones clear out of my system. And then when I start feeling like, hey, I can definitely tell that I've got like no hormones in my system. And believe me, you'll know. Okay. It's very obvious. Um, then I start doing TRT. And when I start doing TRT, what am I trying to do during that time? Well, I'm not on gear. I'm trying to return back to homeostasis. So what I do is I don't add anything like Proviron. I don't add anything like DECA. I don't add any SARMs. I don't add any Anivar. I just take the natural hormone, okay? So I start taking one milliliter of testosterone per week. And I do that for a month or two. And then after I've done that for a month or two, now I've been off of gear, off of super physiological dosages for two to three months. And, you know, my body is totally back to normal at that point. You know, all my receptors, all of the different... Uh, things about my body, all the brain chemicals, everything. It's all back to normal. And then I can go back on a cycle again at full health. And, you know, that's the reason why I think, you know, why you would want to go off of a cycle anyways or do TRT anyways is to be normal, normal health, not taking other things. If you want to be taking other things, then generally you should be on a cycle and making the most of it. So that's the way that I do it. The next question is from up down and he asks, thank you. Okay. He was asking a question. He says, coach does berberine increase testosterone decrease? Does berberine decrease testosterone levels? Okay. Berberine and metformin, um, are both insulin sensitizing chemicals. So they make your cells more sensitive to the effects of insulin. And so berberine is a traditional Chinese herb that is ground up into a powder and uh, used uh, for the, you know as a replacement or substitute for that medication but the actual medication metformin uh, it hasn't been shown in studies that it is more effective but anecdotally um, in my experience and the experience of other people who have used it properly for bodybuilding metformin is much much more powerful at doing this uh, effect of increasing muscle cell insulin sensitivity than berberine is okay so if you're looking for you know a performance enhancing drug type effect from an insulin sensitizing agent you know metformin at a thousand milligrams and but really two thousand milligrams per day um, split into two doses or so uh, yeah it's very powerful actually you can notice a huge you know I don't know if I want to say huge, but, you know, very significant differences in the amount of um, fullness or muscle fuel storage, glycogen loading inside your muscle cells that they're capable of producing um, on about 2,000 milligrams of metformin per day. Uh, your muscles can be quite a lot more round and voluminous. I know there's been a lot of people in this industry who say things like, Oh, metformin decreases IGF-1 and stuff like this. And they say, don't use it as a performance-enhancing drug. 
okay, well, you know, those people can look at their pieces of paper all they want. But, you know, real world results show otherwise. You know, they're like, how could it be a performance enhancing drug? It reduces IGF-1. All right, keep looking at your little piece of paper, bro. Because, you know, denying the effects of metformin as a performance enhancing drug is just like ludicrous. It's just ludicrous. It's like saying that taking 50 milligrams of Anadrol doesn't do anything or something. Yes, it does. Okay? And it's the same thing with metformin. If you try it, you will see, yes, it does do something. It has about the same effect on the visual appearance of your body. Not the strength. It doesn't make you gain strength. You know, it really isn't a performance enhancer, but it does change the way you look. Okay? And so on the way that you look, it has about the same effect you know, about 2,000 milligrams per day of metformin uh, has, when you're on roids, do not take it if you're natural, okay? Uh, but about 2,000 milligrams per day of metformin will have the same of visual effect, um, uh, amount of change that it can produce in the visual effect of your body will be about on the same level as the amount of change that 50 milligrams or so of an oral steroid like Winstrol or Anadrol something like that could provide to your body okay i'm not saying it's going to make you look like those chemicals do like those steroids do because it's not okay but it has the same amount of change on the appearance of your body okay so those people that say like metformin doesn't do anything okay that is not the truth just straight up that is not the truth and if they know it they know that what they're telling you is 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 a lie okay is a lie because it does have an effect that it's it's ludicrous to say that it does not have an effect on the appearance of your body. <laughs> so then your question was about, uh, you know, does berberine decrease testosterone levels? Because, you know, metformin does decrease testosterone levels. It reduces in a natural, if you're a natural, if you don't inject yourself with testosterone, if you take metformin, it will decrease your testosterone levels by 50%, okay? And so berberine, it doesn't directly decrease testosterone levels but it does decrease the androgen receptor um sensitivity so it makes them not pick up hormone uh signaling as well and then the other thing that it does is it decreases the amount of conversion of testosterone into dihydrotestosterone so it can make your sex drive go down quite a bit because dihydrotestosterone is the brain chemical um that works to make, uh, you know, you have a sex drive. It's the chemical. Testosterone does not have a function in your brain. Testosterone has to be turned into its metabolite, which is five times more powerful than it outside of muscle tissue, but not inside muscle tissue. Dihydrotestosterone. The testosterone molecule interacts with an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase and becomes this molecule called dihydrotestosterone that works in tissues other than muscle, like your brain and your penis. Okay, so that is uh, dihydrotestosterone, and that's important for your sex drive. So if you are not taking, uh, if you're not having a lot of dihydrotestosterone, then you're not going to have, you know, as good of an erection, and you're not going to have as good of a sex drive because your brain uh, androgen signaling, male hormone signaling, is going to be down. Okay, and that's just the truth. And so uh, some people are going to, you know, if they're wanting to market their stuff, if they're wanting to market their berberine supplements, you know, they might say something to you like, oh, yeah, it's a good thing. It decreases, you know, taking berberine decreases the amount of uh, dihydrotestosterone. So you get more testosterone. 
Uh, no, no, no. That's that's not a good thing. Okay, sacrificing your uh, sex drive for a few extra milligrams of normal testosterone and thinking that that's going to build muscle for you. No, that's not the case. Okay. Berberine, yeah, it's a good thing to take if you're using gear. Insulin sensitizers, metformin, berberine, yeah, they work. They work if you're taking gear. But if you're not taking gear, it's better to just steer clear. <laughs> All right, next question. This one's from Mac. He has a few good questions, so I'm going to answer a few of Mac's questions, okay? First question from Mac is, I've been on Clomid by doctor's prescription for a few years now for low testosterone. It works well. 50 milligrams three times a week keeps me at normal levels. Is it safe to use SARMs for a cycle with this or would it suppress me? Okay. Yeah, so there are testosterone-boosting medications that actually work, okay? And they are drugs. So things like these supplements that you buy that they say is a testosterone booster, that doesn't work. What you got to take is things like Novadex or Clomid or HCG. These do literally boost your body's natural levels of testosterone production, okay? So like this guy said, he had low testosterone. And so when he had low testosterone, he had to uh, go to his doctor and his doctor gave him clomid and the clomid made his testosterone double and yes that is that is normal effects if you start taking clomid or novadex or hcg your testicles will pump out you know two or three times as much testosterone as they do naturally now does this have a really big anabolic effect or a really big effect on building muscle like making you look like you're on steroids because you take Clomid and Novadex? No. No, it does not. Because there's other systemic effects that these things do to your body. And the only way to look like you're on gear is to be on gear, okay? So if you do these things that naturally boost testosterone, even if it is doing something like taking a drug like Clomid, Novadex, HCG, it's not going to make you look like you're on roids, okay? But... He asks, you know, if he takes SARMs on the cycle, will the SARMs make it so that his testosterone levels are reduced? Um, and the answer is no, okay? Because the way that Clomid works, for example, is that it works straight on the brain, okay? So Clomid is an estrogen receptor, stimulator, and blocker in different tissues. It depends on which tissue it's in either stimulates or blocks the androgen or the estrogen receptor okay and there's a certain receptor in the hypothalamus of your brain that checks how much estrogen is in your blood okay and clomid goes to that receptor in your brain and it blocks it so that it can't see whether or not there's estrogen in the blood and the level of estrogen is how your body monitors how much testosterone yes testosterone is in the blood okay and then decides whether or not it needs to produce something called gonadotropin releasing hormone which then stimulates your pituitary gland to release luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone which then goes down to your testicles and stimulates them to produce testosterone and produce sperm okay so that is called the testic 
the pituitary gonadal, or sorry, the hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis. Okay, that whole process, and that's how your body produces testosterone. So, when you are on gear, when you're on a cycle, one of the ways to make your body start producing natural testosterone again um, and produce more sperm, because everybody that is on a steroid cycle knows that it reduces the amount of sperm and semen that you produce. Okay, that's very easy to see. And so, one of the ways to increase that is to take Clomid. And Clomid works better than Nolvidex, and HCG works better than Clomid. Um, so that, that's sort of the order, is Nolvidex works the worst for this, Clomid works the second best for this, and HCG is works the best for this whole thing, okay? Boosting testosterone, increasing the amount of semen that you have, stuff like that. Um, and so if you are on SARMs, what SARMs do, the way that they shut down the natural testosterone production is by messing with that signal on your hypothalamus, okay? Your hypothalamus, you know, SARMs, SARMs are a new chemical. They're an experimental chemical, so no one knows exactly how they work or, you know, exactly how they reduce the, you know, shut down natural testosterone production. And, they, you know, the truth is, is that they don't shut down natural testosterone production nearly as much as normal steroids do, okay? But they still do have some, some effect. So when I'm talking about this, I'm just explaining to you how this process works of making natural testosterone. And then, you know, there is no hard scientific data on how SARMs reduce natural testosterone. But I'm helping you to understand this process so that you can more clearly understand it. And now I'm going to make some kinds of... Um, I'm going to say some things that are more like my speculations, okay? So this part is not a fact. This is more of my speculation. And that is that when you are on SARMs, there's something going on with your brain recognizing that there are some, you know, hormone receptor stimulators in your body. And your brain recognizes that and stops producing more of its own, of its own hormones, okay? But when you have the Clomid in there, to a certain extent, it keeps your own hormones being produced by stimulating that special area in your hypothalamus by blocking that estrogen receptor there that normally is there for causing the stoppage or controlling the amount of testosterone that you produce. That was really complicated. That was really complicated. Want to keep things more simple in general than that. But it was a great question. And the question is, you know, are you going to have a drop in sex drive if you start using SARMs because of being shut down because you're on Clomid for low testosterone? No. If you're on, if you've got low testosterone and you're on Clomid and, you know, the Clomid is making your testosterone go up and you're feeling good, you got a normal testosterone level, and then you add SARMs, the only thing that that's going to do is it's going to make things better, okay? It's going to add to your strength. It's going to add to your ability to gain muscle, and it's probably also going to add to your sex drive. It's not going to have negative effects. Okay, second question from Mac. He's got some really good questions here, so we're going to answer a few of them. Is there significant benefit, and is it safe to add SARMs to a TRT dose of testosterone? Can any dose of LGD be comparable to 500 milligrams of testosterone weekly? Okay, my first experience with this was my friend who did a cycle, a first cycle, 
of 500 milligrams of testosterone pharmaceutical grade per week for his first cycle. Before that, he had run a cycle of LGD 4033 at 15 milligrams per week. And when he was on his first steroid cycle of testosterone 500 milligrams per week, he said to me, this is not as strong as the LGD 4033 15 milligrams per week cycle that I ran. Okay, that's what he said on his first steroid cycle of 500 milligrams testosterone per week to me, okay? So my experience been a little bit different. I've used LGD 4333, the SARM, at 15 to 20 milligrams per day. And to me, it felt a little bit more like the muscle building power, the anabolic power of about 300 milligrams of testosterone per week, okay? That's the effect that it had for me. So it did not feel like two cc's of testosterone per week to, for, for me, but for my friend, um, for him, it felt different. And this is not an internet friend, guys. This is a guy that I personally know, and I was with him, okay? So this is not talking out of my ass. Um, so, yes, SARMs do work. They're pretty powerful. Um, but, you know, they don't make monsters. You know, the guys who are, you know, monsters, they look juiced up. They look like they're on gear. They're not, you know, relying on SARMs to do that. If they tell you that that's what they're doing, that's not true. So you just gotta, you just gotta know that this is the way it is. Okay, this is the way it is for now. But uh, you know, where I really did notice SARMs shine for me was when I used them in addition to testosterone on my cycle, and so. When I've used 1,000 milligrams or 1,250 milligrams of testosterone per week, and I've added in LGD 4033, 15 to 20 milligrams per day, or S23 SARM at 30 to 60 milligrams per day, I noticed a significant change in my strength, okay? In my strength. And then when I take it out, I notice a significant decrease in my strength. And those SARMs, LGD 4033, and S23 do not harm my liver or give me liver stress the way some stronger steroids can, such as like Anadrol or Winstrol or Superdrol can, okay? And I did get significant strength boosts. I'm not talking about a little strength boost. When I added it on top of that large dose of testosterone, one gram plus per week, um, and I added the SARMs, it made a significant difference. So I liked that because it was able to do that without, you know, noticeably affecting my health. And so I have some reviews for the SARMs that I've used on my website, bodybuilderinthailand.com. So on the homepage there or the second page, uh, you can look for my reviews on that. And uh, there's also some links to those reviews on uh, steroidspodcast.com as well. Um, those, there's links to those bodybuilder and thailand.com reviews on the website for this podcast, steroidspodcast.com. Last question from Mac is more of a diet question. What do you think some of the YouTubers now recommending people recomp instead of bulk? Is it dumb to do if you're on gear? Yeah, I've mentioned about recomping before. Recomposition does work. The only time that you're going to get major recomposition effects is when you first start using gear. Um, then you can get major recomposition effects. You know, if you do a first cycle, you know, or, you know, you haven't reached anywhere near your natural 
limit, which, you know, honestly isn't that, it's not that advanced um, because naturals are not that advanced. Um, and you go on, you know, a strong cycle of roids, you can get some pretty significant uh, recompositioning effect, like, you know, 15 pounds increase in muscle, 15 pounds decrease in fat or so like that over a course of like four to six months on something like uh, a gram and a half or two grams per week of total gear. If you're doing that and that's your first cycle, you know, you're taking three to 500 to 700 milligrams of trenbolone per week with, you know, six, seven, 800 milligrams of testosterone. And, you know, you're taking Winstrol or D-Ball with that. And, you know, maybe you're taking some Mastron with that and you're doing that all at the same time and you're a beginner. Yeah. You're going to notice some pretty extreme recompositioning effects. But other than that, recompositioning is a really slow process, and it's really not the best way to do things at all. Um, you know, if you want to gain major strength and muscle size, you have to gain weight. You have to gain body weight. If you want to reduce major amounts of fat, um, you have to lose body, body weight, okay? You cannot just recomposition and stay at the same weight and expect to take drugs and then come out of it looking like these people, like these fitness models or these Instagram models or YouTubers or, you know, bodybuilders that are competitive bodybuilders. That is not how it works. Um, you know, and one way that people do, you know, try to use drugs is to cover up for, you know, those inabilities of being able to do the basics, um, like knowing how to gain weight knowing how to lose weight and then being like, Oh, well I'll just take the drugs. You know, no, you're going to get lackluster results that are not the results that you want. You're not going to gain these large amounts of strength and size. You're not going to lose large amounts of fat and get shredded recompositioning. Um, you have got to learn how to gain body weight and how to lose body weight. And one of the things that helps with that, is having an experienced coach because these things are not scientific. They're not things that you can learn about and, you know, study. And then all of a sudden just know how to do them. These are things that are going to take troubleshooting and having a coach that has been there, done that and can help you troubleshoot these issues with the own physiology of your own body is going to be what helps you get there. So for the average guy, that goes on some kind of a cycle, you know, it goes on a strong cycle. What he knows is, you know, appropriate to make him have his metabolism fully flared, something like 1,000 milligrams total steroids per week or 1,500 milligrams total steroids per week. If he goes on a cycle like that and he doesn't change his body weight, he could probably expect to do something like gaining five pounds of muscle and losing five pounds of fat provided his strength went up and he was able to apply progressive overload on the cycle. Okay. And his weight did not change. That would be a sign as long as he was able to continue increasing, increasing strength week to week or every two weeks or every three weeks, those would be signs and his body weight was staying the same at the same time that he was having a body recompositioning effect. Okay. But as soon as that, uh, you know, you're not able to make those, you know, linear strength gains anymore over time and your body weight is staying the same, I'm sorry, but you're at a standstill for the most part. And, uh, 
yeah, you got to know how to gain and lose weight. That's one of the things that uh, comes with experience. And you can't cut corners on learning how to do that. Joel asks, do you think time off resets the androgen receptor or is going on a cruise coming off just for health? Okay, so coming off does not really reset the androgen receptor much, okay? So if you want to be big, then you want to be on gear and on a lot of gear, okay? So one of the things that happens, um, you know, from being on for a long time is that your health gets bad and your uh, when your health is bad, your blood markers are bad, your organs aren't functioning properly, aren't digesting food properly, then you're not able to build muscle in a uh, premium way or in an optimal way. And you need to go off and or go on to a cruise, go on to TRT or whatever and, uh, you know, get your health back so that then your digestive system can, can start pr processing food and producing muscle at an optimal rate because uh, that's not happening if you're not healthy. So that is the main reason to do cruising or to go on TRT to stop a steroid cycle. It's to get healthy, okay? It's not to gain strength. It's not to gain muscle or reset androgen receptors. Actually, going on roids and taking more and more increasing dosages of roids increases the amounts of androgen receptors in your body. Okay, it makes your body produce more to be on more milligrams per week. And the reality is that the biggest guys never go off. Okay, they never go off gear. And when they say that they go off, it's not true. When you really watch them and you, you know, install cameras at their house or whatever and seeing what they're doing when people are not looking, you know, they're still taking three cc's or four cc's of testosterone per week. You know, 50 milligrams of Trenbolone every other day and 400 milligrams of DECA or something or 400 milligrams of Equipoise per week. They're still on growth hormones, stuff like that. That's their cruise because it is nothing like their blast, okay? So they say, I'm off, but really they're on this freaking cocktail of shit still, okay? This is what the biggest guys are doing because that's what you got to be doing to be really big is be on cycle, Um uh, or at least not be off cycle very often and definitely not be doing like PCTs and stuff like that. Okay. The biggest guys do not PCT and go off and be natural for a long time. That's a fact. Although people will say, you know, they will say things that are not true and say that they do go off. But in reality, this is uh this is not true that they're completely going off like that. Um, I do recommend going off. I do not recommend making a uh, bodybuilding some kind of suicide mission. I do recommend going off, doing TRT, things like that, blasting and cruising. Uh, but I do not. Uh, but but I am going to tell you the truth that the biggest, strongest, uh, most physically powerful guys do not truly go off ever. And a lot of them, you know, it's just smaller dosages. So they'll be doing something like their blasts, you know are 2,500 milligrams up to 4,000, 5,000 milligrams of total anabolics per week with growth hormone and everything. You know, maybe 700 milligrams of trend thrown in there per week or one gram of trend thrown in there per week along with a gram of DECA, along with a vial of testosterone per week. Okay, so around 2,500 milligrams of testosterone per week. And then they go off and now here's their cruise 
And, you know, they say I go off, you know, but it really means that they do their cruise, which is their, you know, low dosage phase. And that, you know, is usually a couple or a few cc's of testosterone per week. And, um, you know, sometimes even trend, you guys, sometimes these guys never go off of trend. And uh, DECA, Equipoise, stuff like that. Sometimes they're taking tablets still, taking Anivar. I get a lot of guys asking me questions. I get emails all the time from these guys who are, they're emailing me and they're saying, uh, you know, I'm on a cruise. Is it okay for me to take Anivar and SARMs? Is it okay for me to inject Masteron, you know, 200 milligrams per week, in, including it in my cruise? And I'm like, dude, well, why are you cruising in the first place? Or, or they'll say, ask me if they can do that during their PCT. Okay, so they're, what they are wanting to do is take drugs during their PCT and say that it's their PCT. And I'm saying, well, why are you PCTing in the first place? Why are you going on cruise in the first place? It's to get your health back. It's to get your health back to 100%. It's to reset and become normal. So why are you trying to add in, like, all these drugs, you know? So it just, it's not the point. The point of doing a PCT or doing a, a cruise, a testosterone replacement therapy phase, is to get your health back to 100% normal and then, you know, go on and start, you know, being at full, full blast metabolism, you know, building muscle or burning fat or whatever your goal is at you know the maximum potential so i don't see why you would be adding things adding drugs adding hormones that are going to be nothing like being natural and uh that that's why i do not recommend um you know doing adding things to your cruise just just take testosterone during your cruise okay if you're going to be doing blasting and cruising just take a couple hundred milligrams of testosterone, one cc per week for your cruise. And if you absolutely must have something more, you can throw in a tablet of Proviron every day, you know, 25 milligrams of Proviron. Or if you're, you know, if your sex drive is down. But me personally, I don't do that. I just take a cc of testosterone and let my body get completely back to normal. You know, there's a lot of abuse, a lot of heinous use of PEDs out there, guys. And so... I'm not going to try to hide it from you or sugarcoat it. So that's why I'm telling you some of these, you know, things that are totally insane that are people that are what people do. But, you know, with these bodies that are totally insane, you see these people's bodies and it's, you know, so freaky. It looks like an experiment, some kind of science experiment. And it is it is very insane looking. OK, you can't be duped into believing that those insane results are produced by moderation or mild use uh, of PEDs, okay? Those bodies are produced by extreme, extreme practices, extreme use of PEDs, doing extreme things. So I'm just telling you this. I'm, I'm very much not supporting the use of doing those things, okay? I'm just telling you that stuff because this is the reality. Trust your eyes. Trust your freaking eyes. When you see those extreme things, when you see these extreme lifts, when you see these extreme bodies, know that there is extreme PED use going into producing those results. So, the next question is from Danny, who asks, Hey, maybe you can answer this in the next podcast. What's the limit for how long you can run Anivar? Okay, 
So a lot of people on the internet say things about oral, um, oral anabolics, like, you know, oh, you can only use it for four weeks and stuff like that. Well, yeah, four weeks, five weeks, that's always a good, a good time. That's a, that's a good basic cycle for using uh, oral anabolics. But let me just tell you a little bit about how these things are prescribed, okay? So Anavar, when it's prescribed... Um, you know, it's typically actually prescribed, yes, in about four-week cycles at 20 milligrams per day uh, for muscle wasting. Um, it has been studied. Um, they've used it in uh, elderly patients in studies uh, that people who are over 65 years old, and they've ethically studied oxandrolone, that's the chemical name for Anavar, for up to four months straight with no breaks in these elderly people, grandmas and grandpas who are 65 years or older, okay? They have put them on Anavar for more than four months straight with no breaks, okay? And done ethical studies with them. Why is that? Well, that's because, like we talked about in the last episode of the podcast, taking gear is more like smoking or something like that. It's not something that just kills you overnight. It's something that can you know make bad effects to your health markers and over time that builds up and becomes unhealthy for you and can make unhealthy effects okay so people can use these things for extended periods of times and um you know not keel over and die it's just a male hormone it's the same way that you know women can take birth control female hormones for extended periods of times and they don't keel over or die Later down the road, if they took them for a long time um, and, you know, really used a lot of birth control, can it contribute to some, you know, diseases like osteoporosis and breast cancer? Yes, it can. So it's the same thing with male hormones. Yes, if you take these things for a long time, if you take them at excessive dosages, things like that, you know, they can add up and have some bad effects. But, you know, people are worried about um, something, something like liver stress. Okay. From, from some of these drugs and like, uh, here's another thing is that, is that anadrol. Okay. It's, it's prescribed by doctors, you know, usually at around a hundred milligrams per day or so. Okay. One milligram per kilogram of body weight is the minimum recommended dosage, uh, that doctors prescribe anadrol at. Okay. That's what it says in the package insert for anadrol when you buy pharmaceutical grade anadrol and the little piece of paper that comes in there that tells the doctors how to prescribe it it says prescribe this at one to four milligrams per kilogram of body weight to your patients so basically what that means is if a man weighed a hundred kilograms then the minimum dosage that the doctor has suggested to prescribe the man anadrol at is a hundred milligrams per day okay and uh They've been they've used anadrol in studies on people for well over six months. Okay, they've studied anadrol in humans nonstop for well over six months. That's a fact. Is it a good idea to take anadrol for six months? No. Is it going to kill you? Is it going to make your liver get shit out your ass, drop out your asshole? No, it's not. But if you do some you know things that are very reckless while you're taking anadrol at the same time. Like, you know, binge drinking, getting drunk all the time, taking other drugs, you know, eating excessive protein intakes. Um, and, you know, maybe you even have a pre-existing health condition, uh, history of liver disease, things like that. 
well, now all these factors can add up and have some kind of adverse event. And, you know, some things like that have happened from time to time. And, you know, also things like people taking uh, too many tablets of vitamin D and then, you know, having like kidney failure or something have also happened over time. Okay. So just because there's been some kind of freak accident with someone with freak physiology, you know, one or two times in the history of the world doesn't mean that that's going to happen or that that's normal or regular. It's just a freak thing that happened. So normally that's what you have to remember when you're talking about, you know, how long can I take this oral anabolic for? Okay. Is that in order for you to have any kind of results that stick around for any kind of period of time, the minimum amount of time to use them is something like three or four weeks. Okay. If you use them for any kind of shorter, um, any kind of shorter length than that, then the effect is pretty much just bullshit. And it's something that is going to be having an effect while you're on it. And then that effect is 100% completely gone when you're off of it. And you got to make your own decision for how long, um, to run these things, you know, for the really harsh. So I can give you anecdotal evidence and, you know, um, uh, data that I've compiled from my own use and from other people that I know who use them. Okay. So if you're doing something like, you know, drinking a little bit of alcohol one time a week or something like that, um, and taking oral anabolics at the same time, something like D ball or anadrol, and you're taking, you know, 50 milligrams of anadrol per day, or, you know, 30 to 50 milligrams of D ball per day, or 50 milligrams of Winstrol per day, or 100 milligrams of anadrol per day, something like that. Generally, you can keep that up for four to five weeks or so, you know, nonstop, and even, you know, maybe getting drunk once a week. Do I think that's a good idea? No. I'm just telling you the facts of the way it is, okay? And you can, you know, finish up that four or five weeks and, you know, be, be fine, be okay. Um, if you do have any liver stress from that, and normally what the signs of liver stress are after that point is feeling tired, maybe feeling a little bit of sickness, kind of having your, your um, uh, having some kind of red bloodshot eyes. Um, yeah, and feeling tired. Those are normally the effects. And when that happens... Um, the liver cells, when you go off, they regenerate in about 30 days after you go off of the uh, oral anabolic, and they can regenerate back the full strength after about 30 days. The liver is a very resilient organ. So, other other uh, anabolics, especially if you have a, if you have a very healthy liver when you start them, yeah, you can run them from eight to 12 weeks. And have no significant negative side effects. Yeah, you might have some elevated liver enzymes a bit while you're on it, but you won't have any noticeable bad side effects and you're not going to shit your liver out and drop it. So low dosage oral anabolics for more extended periods of time, 6 to 8 to 10 to 12 weeks, those generally work a lot better using them in that format for extended gains. Okay, that's my experience um, that's the experience of the people that I know. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to be on the very, very conservative side where you get, you know, some good effects, but you're able to keep, uh, you know, any kind of health effects, you know, very minimum, you know, a good strategy to use would be something for orals like 30 days on 30 days off. So that 30 days off, that is the amount of time that it takes a, uh, 
a damaged liver to repair all of its cells and return back to normal, okay, after being damaged. And, you know, I really do not know anyone except for, you know, a few guys who would say maybe three weeks. But the vast, vast majority of people that have a healthy liver uh, do not experience any negative side effects from uh, oral steroid uh, before the conclusion of four weeks. So all that is going to be what I say about, uh, you know, how long you should run an oral steroid for. It's up to you. So moving on with the next question is from Blue STI who asks, he was wondering how long if he uses a blast of testosterone it takes to drop his normal testosterone levels uh, back down, uh, drop his testosterone levels back to the normal level for a TRT doctor to check up. Would three weeks before be good? Okay, yeah. So with testosterone enanthate, uh, long ester testosterone, it takes about three to five weeks for it to completely get out of your system. Um, but pretty much after three or four weeks, the levels are down again. Um, but I mean, if you're getting checked by a doctor, you definitely want to be done five weeks before, uh, for them to be checked. Um, but the real thing with this is that you don't want to be, if you're getting checked, your testosterone levels and you want them to be at a certain way, just don't use any long ester testosterone, use testosterone propionate. And then, uh, within, you know, stop using it two or three weeks before you're going to get your, uh, your test for your testosterone levels. And your testosterone levels will be completely the way that they were if you weren't using testosterone propionate anymore. If you use it and, you know, something like uh, an acetate propionate, use those kind of esters for injectables, okay? And stop everything two or three weeks before you're going to get checked. And they'll be completely out of your system. Just don't use long esters. Everybody metabolizes, which means destroys or breaks down these chemicals at different rates. So it's not even. It's like... One guy will get it out of his system one week or one later or one week later than another guy who gets it out of his system more quickly. So that's just the way this goes. It's not the same with everybody because different people have different abilities to metabolize or destroy these chemicals and get them out of their bodies from, uh, from different times. If you want to be on the safe side... You don't want to be messing with, uh, you know, getting your TRT script revoked because you were doing steroid cycles while you were on TRT. You know, just use propionate, acetate, short-acting esters. Don't use long esters like enanthate or DECA, stuff like that. Don't use that. Use something like NPP instead of DECA, testosterone propionate instead of enanthate, or trenbolone acetate instead of enanthate. Use that kind of stuff. And then quit two to three weeks before you're going to get tested and it will be completely out of your system. You'll just have your normal TRT testosterone back. Okay. So the next question is from black who asks 500 DECA only versus 350 test only for first cycle. People are saying DECA is much safer on hair and skin. Okay. So, you know, 350 testosterone only is going to be stronger than 500 DECA only. That's just the way it is. I know that people will debate that a little bit, like some strong DECA advocates might debate that a little bit. But, you know, overall, overall, as a long-term thing, the 350 testosterone is going to produce some more gains and just like a more strong effect than the 500 DECA. It's also the natural hormone. So, your body knows what to do with it better. There's less potential for 
troubleshooting side effects. Is testosterone, you know, more able to make people who are genetically predisposed to having hair loss lose their hair? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. You know, if hair loss is a huge concern for you and you're really worried because, you know, in your genetics, you have hair loss in your genetics. So you're someone who loses their hair. Well, then if you go ahead and start injecting yourself with testosterone, that hair is going to fall out. Okay. And, you know, it'll stop falling out as soon as you stop taking the testosterone uh, and you can stop that progress. But if you're going to be regularly using something and, you know, you are sure that you are genetically predisposed to losing your hair. Okay, well then taking stuff like DECA with no testosterone and things like Anivar, um, you know, that's going to be your best bet for being able to use some gear and keeping your, uh, keeping your hair on your head. But for other than guys like that, um, you know, using testosterone, I mean, testosterone is really good stuff, man. Testosterone makes you, makes you big. Testosterone builds muscle. And makes you big and full and strong, okay? So if you, you know, if you handle testosterone well, and most people do, it's the bioidentical hormone, okay? It's the hormone that you naturally produce. So the only reason why you wouldn't handle testosterone well usually is because you don't control your estrogen. So make sure you have some arimidex, eximestane, or letrozole. You know, get a blood test done after you've been on the testosterone for three weeks or four weeks. See what your levels are and, you know, get a full health panel done, you know, if you're having side effects or something so you can see what's up and see what you need to troubleshoot and, uh, you know, get your levels right. And, you know, 350 testosterone milligrams of testosterone per week for the vast majority of people, that's not going to be a problem. That's not going to cause problems. There's a few people super sensitive to testosterone. It's going to cause problems, but that's not the uh, average guy for the average guy that's not going to cause problems and it's going to be a much more pleasant experience with less troubleshooting uh, than 500 milligrams of DECA only per week. If somebody really wants to take DECA only per week or DECA only, that's fine. They can do that too. But for the average guy, no, it's not advisable. It's not recommended for the average guy. But if somebody's bent on doing that, I got no problem with that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. So if that's, that's what you want to do, Go ahead and do the DECA. I'm, I'm thinking since you're asking about it, that that's something that you're really interested in doing. There's no problem with that. You can go ahead and do that. But for the average guy who asks me, you know, what should I do for my first cycle? I'm not going to go and tell him 500 DECA only. Like that, it would, it would, you know, I wouldn't even say 350 testosterone only. For the average guy who wants to do his first cycle, I would want to make things like close to normal. So give them a high testosterone level that was like a high natural testosterone level, okay? So something like one milliliter of testosterone per week so that he had high normal testosterone levels or just above the normal range of testosterone levels. And then on top of that, I'd want to give him another drug that build muscle, build strength, increase performance, but didn't do anything like producing any sex drive effects that were like negative or, you know, giving him gyno or anything like that, you know, just something that was clean and gave him gains. So something like adding in 50 milligrams of Anivar, 50 milligrams of Anadrol, 50 milligrams of Turinabol, um, something like that uh, to the one milliliter of testosterone per week. And then he's going to have, you know, a nice increase in strength and a nice increase in sex drive. And, uh, you know, 
a good muscle building agent and a good, you know, his, his physique will automatically start looking better, you know, after the first week on cycle, stuff like that. You know, on 350 milligrams of testosterone per week or 500 milligrams of DECA per week, you know, you're not going to get an effect from that. Like within the first week, you're stronger and you're bigger and your body looks better. It's going to be something where you got to like be waiting out like a month or so to really start getting those effects in there where you're like, okay, okay, now this is starting to go more like how I want it to go. And so usually when you start a roid cycle, especially if it's your first time, you're like really anxious for those effects and you want to see, you know, what are these things going to do for my body, you know, and doing something like waiting a month for some kind of gradual effects to come on. That's really just like not what you were looking for. So that for the average guy that starts, I recommend something that starts them off. It's easy. There's, there's, you know, not much trouble shooting. There's not going to be a lot of side effects or problems, things with estrogen, things like that, you know, and he can just take it. And within a week or so, he's feeling stronger. You know, he's looking better. His muscles are bigger. You know, he's growing, he's feeling good, stuff like that. So for that, I would recommend something like one cc of testosterone with 50 milligrams of Anovar or 50 milligrams of Winstrol or 50 milligrams of Turinabol. Those drugs don't turn into other hormones in your body. They just are what they are, and they increase your strength, performance, and make you look better, you know, within days of getting on them. And it's really easy to take them. It's enjoyable to take them. Any horror stories that you've heard about, like, you know, your joints breaking off or something like that from taking Winstraw, that's all internet garbage. Don't believe this shit that you hear on the internet, okay? Don't believe this shit that you hear on the internet about steroids because it's freaking 90% wrong freaking 90% wrong it's you know it disgusts me the stuff that you read on the internet all the confusing dog shit that you read about steroids on the internet <laughs> all right the next question is from Thanos why would someone choose Mastron Probe over Ananthe if Mastron Ananthe is cheaper less oil and less pinning okay this is a good question um, so Masteron is a bit of a strange chemical, okay? And it, it's, it's hard to feel the effects or see the effects from it, okay? And so in my experience, you know, I actually used Masteron Probe before I ever, or sorry, I used Masteron Enanthate before I ever used Masteron Probe, and I vastly prefer Masteron Probe. Uh, and the reason for that is because, um, you know, Masteron does not build muscle for one thing, okay? It does have tremendous sex drive effects, and it also produces this thick oil slick on the top of your skin that's shiny. Those are the two main effects of Mastron, producing that oil on your skin that is shiny. And, and, and it's a really thick oil, too. Um, and then increasing your sex drive massively. But it doesn't make you gain a lot of muscle. And it also won't, like, get rid of or stop gyno if you, uh, if you are getting gyno. There's a myth out there that is a pretty pervasive myth that, you know, Mastron works, you know, better than a Remedex or something for stopping gyno. That's not true. I experienced that one myself, too, during my first cycle. Uh, I added Mastron into my Trenbolone cycle on my first cycle, and that shit did not stop me from beginning to form prolactin-induced Trenbolone gyno like I'd read all over the internet, okay? And then as soon as I took, uh, you know, my, uh, <laughs> my aromatase inhibitor, you know, my exmestane and my... Uh, Pramipexel, that did work, okay? But not the Masteron. That was a myth, and it's not just my body, okay? When you talk to other users who actually use this stuff in real life, not stuff you're reading on the internet, it's the same thing. 
So when Masteron has some of these kinds of strange effects like this, and it, uh, like, like where it's a sex drive thing, it's a sex drive drug, um, and also produces this thing on your skin, and really doesn't produce a lot of muscle building effects, it can increase your strength a little bit, mostly by reducing sex hormone binding globulin and making the other steroids that you're on, like testosterone, work better. Um, but, it, you know, with these kind of more subtle effects like this, you know, these drugs that produce subtle results, they're not like a big bang kind of drug that's producing big bang muscle building. It's better when you can uh, feel them more quickly and see them acting more quickly and get this like whoppa effect from it. So when you're doing propionate and you, you know, start taking masterone propionate, um, you know, the full effects, you know, what, what this thing does, they're, they're kicked in five days from when you first start taking it. Like, you see what that shit does five days after your first injection, if you're taking it, you know, every other day or every day, okay? That's the way it is. You start, you know, feeling what this stuff does fast. And if it's enanthate, you know, you're not feeling those full effects of what this thing does for something like two weeks, for about two weeks or so. Maybe even three weeks. That's sort of the way it works for it to work up to those peak effects where, you know, you're seeing like what this stuff does. And that slow, gradual buildup um, compared to that fast wapa onset of uh, enanthate versus propionate with a drug like Mastron that's like sort of a subtle, sort of a subtleish anabolic steroid. Um, it is it is preferable. It is preferable to use these these uh the version that is wapa and it hits you really fast hits you really fast wapa okay next question uh bok choy gains asks hi dan hope you're doing well would adding lgd 4033 to a test and cycle be counterproductive would the sarm compete for the same receptor no it would not be counterproductive um i i actually had really uh, great results adding LGD 4033 to my testosterone uh, cycle. I did, you know, just before I came to Thailand, the cycle that I was running was I alternated between the SARM S23 at 30 to 60 milligrams per day and then LGD 4033 at 15 to 20 milligrams per day. And I used 1,250 milligrams of testosterone per week and I used. 2.5 IUs of gintropin, pharmaceutical-grade human growth hormone per day, okay? And when I took in, when I put the SARM in over that high dosage of testosterone, which is really not that high of a dosage, guys, you know, most people are lying to you, you know, for a, for a person my size, okay? For a person my size, that is not a high dosage of testosterone. That's just normal dosage of testosterone. So there are people who will lie to you and say that, you know, that's a high dosage. No, it's not. Okay, if you watch them in their bedrooms and what they're doing when no one's looking, they're doing the same thing or more. Okay, <laughs> so when I would take when I would put in or take out those arms or, you know, the little bit of time that I would take off when I'd switch between the S23 or the LGD 4033, you know, there was a there was a definite difference. I, I mean, it was like it was basically the same as taking a light a light dosage of a oral anabolic steroid, something like, you know, 20 or 30 milligrams of Anavar or something, or, you know, the same dosage of Winstrol or oral Turinabol. Um, that was the, you know, muscle building uh, uh, and fullness or strength effect added on uh, to the uh, 
1,250 milligrams of testosterone um, that I was getting from putting the uh, LGD4033 or the S23 in there. Um, you know, growth hormone, it doesn't increase your strength and it doesn't increase, uh, yeah, it doesn't increase your strength. So I wouldn't, uh, it does increase your muscle fullness. It does, but it doesn't increase your strength or your endurance or anything like that. It mostly is like, uh, it makes you look better. That's mostly what growth hormone does is it's a really potent drug for making you look better. Uh, you know, decreasing your body fat, giving you full muscles, uh, being able to eat little amounts of calories or little amounts of carbs and still having full volumized muscles. Those are the things that growth hormone is really good at. But it's not so much like a performance ha- enhancer like, you know, the testosterone was. So the, the, the strength, the size, the, or the strength and the power, most of the size coming from the testosterone, 1,250 milligrams per week I was using. And then when I'd add in the S23 or the LGD4033, that made me stronger within two to three days of taking it, okay? My performance in the gym would increase, and it was a noticeable difference. It, it's not like a not noticeable difference or a maybe I noticed a difference. No, I noticed a difference. Okay, the next question is from Vincent who asks, question for the podcast, purpose and function of DHT-derived steroids in a cycle Okay, so whether steroids are derived from testosterone or derived from dihydrotestosterone, which is uh, abbreviated DHT, or if they're, uh, you know, originated or their parent hormone that they're manufactured from comes from uh, progesterone like Trenbolone or Deca or something, that, that's really like, yeah, they're each families of uh, hormones that, you know, can produce other hormones that are similar to them. But once you change those, you know, once you make chemical alterations to testosterone or you make chemical alterations to dihydrotestosterone or you make chemical alterations to progesterone, then it becomes not that hormone anymore. So, yeah, generally the hormones that come from those hormones have some shared effects with those parent hormones, but they aren't those parent hormones. And it's not like completely predictable, like, oh, they're going to have this type of effect. Um, You know, for example... Anadrol comes from dihydrotestosterone. It's manufactured, you know, starting with a dihydrotestosterone molecule. Um, but, you know, dihydrotestosterone is known for being something that stimulates your mind. Yes, anadrol does very much stimulate your mind. But it's also known for being something that does not build muscle because dihydrotestosterone cannot build muscle. It's inactivated within minutes uh, when it goes inside of muscle tissue by a enzyme that is in muscle tissue called 3-beta-hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase, okay? And that's why things like Proviron and Masteron, which are so similar to dihydrotestosterone, don't build muscle because they're deactivated by this enzyme. But then you have other chemicals like Anivar or Primobolin or Anadrol that are also um, come from dihydrotestosterone and they're not, they have they, you know, their chem, their chemical, their carbon chain chemical structure does not allow that three beta hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase enzyme to inactivate them when they come into contact with it. And so then they have different effects. Um, and you know, steroids derived from dihydrotestosterone are known for, yeah, having that mental stimulation and also, uh, producing a, a more hard appearance, uh, a more, you know, a more finished, polished appearance. 
But, you know, then in the case, uh, you know, and that would be, you know, like Winstrol, Anavar, Primobolin, those are derived from dihydrotestosterone. But then you have Anadrol, which, you know, it doesn't really produce a more dry or hard appearance at all, but it really has a big volumizing appearance on your muscles where it really volumizes them up. It makes them pick up a lot more carbohydrates and look really big and increases your strength a lot. And that's not really the same as those other um, roids that were also derived from dihydrotestosterone. So then you go, well, what the heck? Why is this one different than the other ones? And that's because once you make chemical alterations to those, to those parent hormones and you produce these things that are called anabolic steroids, which are things derived from testosterone or derived from dihydrotestosterone or derived from progesterone that build muscle, they're a different hormone now. Once you make those chemical alterations and you produce these anabolic steroids, they're now different hormones and they have their own effects. Usually they do share some effects from that parent hormone, but a lot of times, you know, they are much different and have significantly different effects from that parent hormone. So each steroid has its own unique effects. Um, you can generally get a feel for how that steroid might act in a human body by uh, its parent hormone. But, you know, not always. Sometimes that's absolutely not the case. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it's extremely different than its parent hormone. So as far as your question about you know, what is the function of a DHT-derived steroid in a cycle? Well, it's an individual question. Each steroid has individual effects. You, you can get ideas about how the steroid acts and how it functions in the human body by its uh, parent hormone, but by no means can you, uh, like, make blanket statements about it. Um, and so, you know, each, each steroid has its own purpose and function and saying, uh, you know, because it's DHT-derived, it has this pur purpose in a cycle. That would be really minimizing and, you know, not looking at the big picture uh, and really ignoring what a lot of these things do in the real world. Okay. And the final question for today is from Rich, who says, Hey, Dan, have only just been recommended your stuff. And after listening to the first three podcasts in a row, I'm impressed. Couldn't figure out how to ask a question. So here it is. Uh, he can't get his head around HCD. HCG, HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin. Some people, and he mentions a couple names, Dr. Scaly, Greg Douche, say only blast it between cycle and PCT. Others like you say run on cycle. Here's where I get confused and cannot make up my mind. If test tells your testicles, your balls, to shut off and HCG tells them to turn on, if you take together, does this not cancel each other out? I would prefer to reduce, prevent, shut down, suppression as much as possible and make recovery on PCT easier. But with conflicting views and a lack of understanding, I'm at a loss. Thanks for advice. Thanks in advance. Yeah, thanks for answering this question or asking this question because this is a really good one. So HCG, yes, it sends a direct signal to your testicles, okay, that says turn on, okay? Things like Clomid send a non-direct signal to your testicles to turn on. What they do is they act on the hypothalamus, an area in your brain that then send, sends, acts on other areas of your brain, like your pituitary gland, to then produce um, you know, downstream hormones that turn on your testicles. And the hormones that turn on your testicles are luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone, okay? So what HCG is, human chorionic gonadotropin, is it's an analog, which means something the body recognizes as something else. That's what analog means. Um, 
or it has the same function as something else. It means something, a chemical that has the same function as another hormone, okay? So human chorionic gonadotropin has the same function in the body as luteinizing hormone, the hormone that is released from the pituitary gland when the hypothalamus releases gonadotrophin releasing hormone, then the pituitary gland releases luteinizing hormone, and that tells your testicles to produce sperm and to produce testosterone, okay? So you bypass that whole thing, that whole long downstream thing that has to happen where your hypothalamus gets stimulated and then your pituitary gland gets stimulated and then your testicles get stimulated. When you take HCG, you send the direct signal, which your body sees HCG as luteinizing hormone. You send the direct signal to your testicles and you tell them to turn on. So it doesn't matter whether or not you're on steroids. If you take HCG, your tes- your testicles will be functioning at maximum capacity, okay? You'll be producing testosterone through your testicles and producing sperm through your testicles, and that's the best way to make that happen while you're on cycle. There is absolutely no simultaneous uh, shutdown thing where you have to understand, like, you know, how the fertility system and the hormone system works. Uh, it's it's not like the the test the the steroids work you know they don't work on your test on your testicles that's not why your testicles get shut off your brain recognizes high levels of steroids in the body which then make its system for stimulating your testicles to produce testosterone and sperm to turn off because it says we already have enough hormones so when your hypothalamus in your brain recognizes hey there's steroids in my body then it stops producing gonadotrophin releasing hormone which then makes it so that pituitary gland has no reason to release luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone. So then there's no luteinizing hormone sending the signal to your testicles to function, produce testosterone, and produce sperm. But but, but see, that's the reason why uh, taking steroids makes your, uh, your testicles shrink and uh, turn off while you use them, okay? But if you take HCG, you bypass that whole circuit and you send a direct signal because HCG is seen in the body as luteinizing hormone, that hormone that comes from the pituitary gland that tells the testicles to turn on, to produce sperm, to produce testosterone, okay? HCG is seen in the body as that hormone. It sends a direct signal to your testicles to turn on, and so they turn on, okay? So that's why when you take HCG during a steroid cycle, that's why your testicles remain at full size and they're remain producing testosterone naturally and they remain producing sperm okay so the real reason why you would uh you know consider not taking um hcg during a steroid cycle is because like all other systems in your body there are hormone receptors okay and you don't want to if you're going to be doing a pct after your your cycle after you're done with your cycle okay well you know if you've been taking hcg on your cycle well, now those luteinizing hormone receptors, which HCG binds to, and they're on your testicles, and HCG binds to them, and that's how they send the signal to your testicles, turn on, make testosterone, make sperm. Okay, well, if you've been sending that signal to your testicles during your steroid cycle, well, now they're, you know, they're not going to be as sensitive to receiving that signal as if they had just been having zero signal during your cycle okay and so when you're done with your cycle you know if they if they had been having zero signal because you hadn't been taking hcg and you hadn't been producing any luteinizing hormone well then the smallest amount of luteinizing hormone that your pituitary gland produces is going to have you know the maximum effect 
on your testicles and, and making them function correctly, okay? Because they've been hypersensitized from having none of the hormone available in your blood, luteinizing hormone, that makes them function, okay? So they'll be hypersensitive to restarting once you do PCT and, you know, your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland start producing the correct hormones and substances that make, you know, your reproductive system start functioning again. So the, if you want to do a PCT, you know, and, and be natural again uh, and, and not do blasting and cruising or not do another steroid cycle after you're finished with that steroid cycle, it's probably better not to use HCG during your cycle because then you're a... Uh, your, your balls will be hypersensitive to taking HCG after your cycle or taking Nolvidex and Clomid after your cycle. They'll be hypersensitive to receiving that signal that uh, comes to turn on, okay? But they won't be so quite so sensitive if you've been using HCG already during your cycle. So that's the way that it, that is. It absolutely works. HCG absolutely works during your cycle to maintain the size and function of your testicles. Anybody who says that they that it does not do that, they, they are misinformed. They don't know what they're talking about because it is a fact that if you inject someone with HCG within, you know, and, and if they're shut down and they're taking steroids, even if they're taking fucking Trend, which is super suppressive and shrinks your balls more than any other steroid, as soon as you start taking the HCG, okay, they start growing back to size, they start functioning normally, and they start producing testosterone and sperm at normal again, okay? And that's just a fact. So if you don't want your balls to shrink when you're taking a roid cycle, then you got to take some HCG with it, okay? That's the way that that works. If you're going to be stopping, if you're going to be stopping taking your roids and you're wanting a PCT and be natural again, and you want to have your PCT go as powerfully and quickly and smoothly as possible, then it's probably best to just avoid the HCG while you're on your cycle. And then, you know, take HCG and Nolvidex and Clomid and all that after your cycle so that you're hypersensitive when you stop. I need to talk about something that I brought up earlier, and that is alcohol and steroids together. So using alcohol together with steroids is a horrendous mix, okay? So I was talking about oral steroids together, and I said earlier that um, you can take them, you can take oral steroids, and uh, you know while it's not healthy for you, you know to get drunk or drink while doing that, you know doing so once per week, uh, getting drunk once per week is not going to make your liver, you know, come falling out your asshole. Okay. However, I highly, highly discourage alcohol use combined with anabolic steroids and it's not for health reasons it's actually for the mental effects that it causes um these two substances uh go together so horribly in the mental effects that they produce okay so when you are on steroids you are more aggressive okay your personality becomes stronger and you become more aggressive now when you take your inhibitions away um, by putting alcohol into the mix, um, that, that does a lot. Okay. So alcohol also numbs you so that you can't like feel pain and things like that as well. And then the steroids also, they give you like that aggressiveness. And then on top of that, steroids take away your fear of getting hurt. Okay. Um, 
you you really when it comes to something like an aggressive confrontation with another individual like steroids make your fight or flight response shift dramatically towards fight okay for a normal person that isn't a steroid user you know getting in a fight is like the last thing on earth that they want to do and like they will do whatever it takes to prevent that from happening however when you are on steroids your initial impulse when you get in a you know that first second where your body uh has a reaction and uh it makes you have a certain feeling when you get into a situation where you could get hurt or you know where someone's being aggressive towards you it makes it so being on steroids okay this does this is that that first initial second that it's like a split second reaction and it's not you thinking it's just your body acting and making you all of a sudden in one second feel a certain way when you recognize that um, you know you're in a possibly situation where you're going to either need to run away or you know fight someone um, the reaction that you have when you're on steroids is to stay and fight and to not uh, run away okay that doesn't mean that you have to do that it doesn't mean that you have to do that it just means that the initial physical reaction that your body gives you is that you go you get you know when that fight or flight impulse yeah response to aggressive behavior by other men mostly happens to you when when you're in that situation your body instantly on roids goes stand your ground or press forward um and aggress forward um the fight or flight response goes towards fight and like i said um steroids make it so that you are not afraid to get in a fight um uh, you know a normal person they do not want to get in a fight that is the last thing on earth they'll do anything to prevent that from happening when you're on steroids you really just don't care okay and and that's that's not really you that's that's the steroids so you this is one of those things that you it takes experience man and it takes responsibility because dude you don't want to like end up like fighting people like getting in jail or stuff is is roid rage real does it make you does it make you like you know go into some kind of psychosis and start you know like being this some rageful person no but it does shift it shifts these reactions these split second responses that you can have to situations okay so if you are on steroids and you know especially once you start noticing hey you know i'm bigger and stronger than basically everyone um you know it, it's and then the the mental effects that it has where you literally it just changes the way that you feel about um getting into a fight with another person okay a physical fight you're not afraid you are not afraid and and um you don't care things like um you know like if you the possibility that you could get hurt you just don't care these are mental shifts that happen from taking steroids okay so now you add in you know um alcohol which takes away your inhibitions and numbs you so now you're aggressive your natural fight or flight response puts you in the fight mode when somebody is aggressive towards you 
And if you do get hurt, you can't even feel the pain anymore because of the alcohol. I mean, dude, you're a target. You're a target if you're on roids and you're a big, strong dude. Because there's jackasses out there, man. When you go to places like clubs or, you know, dance places or something like that, bars, there's jackasses out there who want to prove themselves and they will target you to, you know, look cool or to look like some kind of um, hard guy proving themselves in front of girls or in front of their friends or whatever. And if you are on gear and you go out to places where people are getting drunk and there's, you know, like aggressive, you know, just places where things can happen, okay? You are a target and people will target you. Um, Everyone that uses roids knows this. People will target you because you are that big, strong dude um, that is, you know, obviously you stand out very strongly, especially in nightlife type places. And uh, you will be targeted by these jackasses and they will put you in situations. I'm, I'm telling you, this is not a, a maybe. This is a will. If you take steroids and you, um, and, you drink, and you drink alcohol and you go out to these places like bars, clubs, yeah, bars and dance clubs, stuff like that where people are drunk, you will be targeted and you will find yourself in these situations where other men are aggressive towards you and do things that, you know, put you, that give you a fight or flight response because they'll challenge you and and touch you, push you, um, you know, bump into you on purpose, stuff like this. Okay. And it's, it's usually like passive aggressive stuff, but because you're not afraid anymore, because you you really it sounds kind of stupid saying this okay like oh yeah like you're not afraid or something like no but this is a real thing the real the the real reaction and the way that these that these these hormones affect your brain okay this is one of the main mental effects of these hormones is that they make they take away your fear of confrontation with another man it, it's it's just gone um and uh you know, if you are not able, when somebody is acting like a jackass to you, if you are not able to be completely the bigger person and, and just say, you know what, you know, nothing is worth, nothing is worth getting in a fight and like, you know, hurting someone going to jail or something like that over, you're going to get in these situations where, where you're going to be in physical altercations with people. Okay. Which is a horrible thing. Like, I mean, you're going to end up in jail if if you do that. Uh, that that's that's the reality of this. That there is no tolerance for going out and uh, being involved in physical fights and things like that um, in nightlife areas. The people who do that, they get taken to jail. And you know, it looks bad too when you are the one, you know, who is big and stronger than everyone else, and you're involved in that. I mean it's likely that the blame's going to go to you. And also, even if it's not you that, you know, was initiating the fight or whatever, you just kind of look like a bully because like, like it is like the appearance, you're the bigger, stronger person. Um, and so this, this was a warning because I talked about alcohol a little bit with steroids. I wanted to let you know and add this part in here at the end that this is a warning that anabolic steroids and alcohol do not mix. 
um, if you want to, if you want to drink, um, a bit and, and take steroids, I highly recommend not binge drinking and getting drunk. This is such a strong recommendation. And I mean, I can almost say like positively that, you know, if you, if you are taking roids and, you know, getting drunk, you know, binge drinking, getting really drunk, um, and going out in, in these situations with other guys that, you know, you're going to have some major freaking problems in your life, um, because of the mixture of those two substances. So highly discourage alcohol use to mix with anabolic steroids. And if you do want to do it, then, um, you know, just having a few drinks, not getting drunk, um, you know, that really, that really won't cause a problem. Um, but also remember though, when, when you are, you know, in those places, um, and you may have these kinds of impulses or, you know, that with, like I said, the fight or flight thing, um, and how you won't be afraid either when other people are aggressive to you, you have got to make a decision before you start using these things that you are not going to be involved in physical altercations and, um, things like, uh, fights with other men. It just has to be something where you are going to be the bigger man and you are going to not have pride about this, about the situations when they come up and you have to already know before they happen that this is going to be your response. And so then, you know, even when you are in the right, they are in the wrong, you just know, Hey, I've already made this decision, man. I am not doing that. I am not going to involve myself in any kind of physical, violent altercation. I am going to get the fuck out of there by any means necessary and only at the absolute last resort to protect myself would I ever be involved in something like that. And other than that, if there's any possible way to get out of the situation, you have to know and have decided before you use these things that that's, that's what you're going to do. Even if it makes, it means that there's a huge ego or, or pride hit or something, or, you know, makes you, you know, people laughing at you or makes you look like a, some kind of pussy or something. Guess what? You're not a fucking pussy. Okay. So even if you do something that makes, you know, you temporarily think that way, nope. Well, tomorrow you're, you know, not going to be a pussy again. You're pretty fucking big and strong and jacked. Okay. And you have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove. Everyone already can see that you are big and strong and they don't need to see you hurt someone in order to figure that out. Okay. Everyone already knows this is very serious. And you can tell from the way that I'm talking that, you know, th this is one of the things you guys, this is one of the things that is, uh, it's one of the most serious responsibility aspects of using these things is making this decision before you start using them that you are going to do this. You are going to do whatever is necessary to prevent you from being in those situations. If you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.